Commander's Palace Restaurant in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with guest hosts Molly Omakin, Editor-in-Chief of Silicon Bayou News, and from Tulane University's MBA program, Birken Road Reports, Richie Gray. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm Molly Omakin. And I'm Richie Gray. Molly and I are happy to be sitting in for Peter Rizzuti today. It takes two of us to be as smart, knowledgeable, and as much fun as Peter. Smart and knowledgeable. We can only work with what we've got, but we've increased the odds of having fun today by putting together a show about booze and strippers. That's what most of us think of when we think of Bourbon Street. Bourbon Street, of course, is much more than that. It's a vital contributor both to the city's economy and the perception of New Orleans to the rest of the country. Which is, of course, predominantly booze, strippers, and music. Joining us for lunch today is the president of the Bourbon Street Merchants Association, Robert Waters. Thanks for being here, Robert. You're welcome. Delighted to be here. Also joining us for lunch is Pam Fortner, proprietor of the Tropical Isle, which has four locations on Bourbon Street, and the Funky Pirate. Hi, Pam. Hi. I'm glad to be here, too. Beautiful room we have here. Definitely. Uh, Robert, you own and operate Rick's Cabaret, an adult entertainment club on Bourbon Street, but I believe you are also the founder of the company. Is that correct? That's correct. In fact, we have two places on Bourbon Street. One is Rick's Cabaret and the other is Rick's Sporting Saloon. So, Robert, you're in the stripper business and Pam, you're in the booze business. In your roles as president and a member of the Bourbon Street Merchants Association, is the perception of the heart of our city being centered on booze and strippers something that you foster or something that you try to combat? Well, <coughs> I have never referred to them as strippers. That's <laughs> point one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think of them as entertainers or dancers. Okay. Okay. And um, in terms of, of uh, Bourbon Street, <coughs> Clearly, Bourbon Street has a long and varied history involving, in the past, strippers. And, um, you know, we, we continue that tradition. Um, I think over the last 10 or 15 years, we've seen a growth in the number of businesses on Bourbon Street with that, with that nature. But nonetheless, um, it, you know, it thrives, and it's clearly um, one of the things that people come to Bourbon Street for. And, of course, the other thing is music, that, um, that, that Pam's entities uh, provide a lot of good music. For people to listen to of different variety, so it's you know it's Bourbon Street thrives because it's an entertainment mecca. I mean, it it, it represents entertainment in all of its varied forms. So I mean, that's that's what Bourbon Street represents. And Pam, do you try and foster that? Right. It's it's not just about booze. You can drink at home. You can eat at home. People go out to socialize. They drink and eat. There's different people going to different places. Uh, we have a lot of music there. People come here for stress relief. This is just not about the raucous thing, and they come here for the rest of the city, too. That's been some of the discussion is there's almost two New Orleans, the New Orleans for tourists, which is the French Quarter, and then the real New Orleans, which is beyond that. Do you guys agree or disagree with that? Well, the, I mean, the, the French Quarter is clearly one of the economic drivers of the city. I've, I've heard from, from the council member's office that 30% of our city revenue comes directly from the French Quarter and that there are over 65,000 people who have gainful employment in the French Quarter in, in both direct and derivative industries. So this is an economic driver for the city and, and it's something that, that I think that many people don't appreciate that, that 75 years ago the French Quarter was in a state of ruin and that it is to many extent, to a great extent, our tourism industry that has saved much of New Orleans. And we, we have some large hotels that were built in the 60s and, and renovated in the 70s, the Royal Senesta, the Omni Royal Orleans. And these are things that have contributed immeasurably to the continued vitality of that part of the city. So I see, I see the, the, the entertainment district and, and the fact that we attract 8 to 10 million visitors a year is absolutely fundamental to New Orleans' economy. 
Robert, you're you're a lawyer. You've practiced law in London and, and here in the United States, um, and and you're also you know work extensively in business. Do you feel like there are a lot of business deals that get done on Bur in Bourbon Street? Um, I, I've always thought. I mean, the the time when we do the most business is when we have big conventions in in town, and and that is because um, I think that in our place particularly. We strive for a quiet, business-like environment um, that is, happens to be decorated by the most beautiful naked women you can imagine. <laughs> and, and I think that there are a lot of deals that, that get done in that environment, and there's a lot of entertainment that goes on. And so is, is this one of the assets that a good convention town would have? Of course. Uh, that's how business is done in many, in many senses. And I have to add that, that on the weekends, 30% um, of our business um, is comprised of couples. So it's, it's not simply a, a male thing that on Bourbon Street, and that's unique to, to America, we have a lot of couples who come in and enjoy the entertainment. One thing that I did want to ask you, Robert, also that um, I've just been personally curious about and that you hear a lot is um, the, the entertainers, the dancers um, at Rick's and other establishments um, are frequently, there's like this idea of that a lot of them are students and they're funding you know, very expensive educations um, through this type of work. Do you think that's true or is that a myth? Um, well, I, I, I know, I mean, I've known, um, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15,000 dancers during the 27 years that I've been doing this. And I know that there are a lot of lawyers and a lot of doctors who worked at Rick's while they were going through school. I mean, I know that for a fact because they've come in afterwards and said, got my law degree. And so this isn't a myth. Now, we did a survey at one point in the mid-80s when we just started up, and 30% and of our entertainers were, were enrolled in higher entertainment and were actually attending school, and we actually had a scholarship program that we would contribute to tuition fees. When we moved to New Orleans, we found that that was not as, as frequent. There is more of a divide here mm -hmm. than there was in Houston, for example. And, and that perhaps is, is simply due to the, the tradition of the South in, in New Orleans. Um, but we do have a lot of people who are enrolled in other forms of education. We encourage that tremendously. I mean, dancing is something that you can do for a limited period of your life. I think that ideally you don't do it for more than two, two and a half years, um, and, and then you move on and do something else. We employ over 50 musicians, you know. It's their, their lifestyle. They depend on us. If we don't have the customers and we can't afford to have them, well, they would be out of a job. We have one entertainer. Dwight went up to Nashville. He's an incredible guitar player, but he decided he'd rather come back and be a big fish in a little sea than be up in Nashville, you know, just hoping he gets a gig occasionally. Well, it's time to do the checklist. Uh, and this is the part of the show where we take a little break and go through a list of quick fire questions that you probably won't find on your average loan application, let's say. Um, so my question for both of you is, have you ever considered quitting and doing something completely different than what you do right now? Is that daily or weekly? <laughs> <laughs> Often. I'm, I'm actually um, um, <coughs> a pilot and a writer. And, and writing is probably my first love. Um, and I hope to be published this year. But um, you know, I think that anybody who's involved in something that is as high pressure as what we do, that occasionally um, it, it's, it's overload. Um, and you deal with, I mean, I deal with um, six or 700 personalities. Um, on a weekly basis, mm -hmm. and and you deal with huge management staffs, and and uh, I mean we have 150 payroll checks that we cut between the two clubs. There are people on payroll, and then there are probably four or five hundred entertainers who are independent contractors who cycle in and out. 
so that you get a phenomenal number of people that you deal with and, and then the pressure of simply the business and dealing with the city and potential regulation. And, and yes, think of leaving all the time. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of background to it. We have to have liquor license. We have to go on under much more review than a lot of other businesses. A gift store has a lot less to contend with. We have to, we have a lot of controls. We have to have signs up. We, we're definitely controlled. And yes, I used to work for the Corps of Engineers, so could I go back and work for the Corps of Engineers? Maybe not. So my question is, how many days of Jazz Fest do you go to? Uh, this year I've made up my mind I'm going, I did not go for three or four years because, you know, you're just overwhelmed and you're tired. Remember, I have five music clubs and I can go listen to music every night of the week. So, but I'm going back this year. And I noticed you have a frozen version of the hand grenade now? Yes. And a skinny version. A skinny version? Yes, that's <laughs> new too. That's only since <laughs> January. But um, it's amazing what people like. People know what they like to drink. Uh, it's, it's a fun thing. They've been coming to us. People, we're known around the world. And the people, I don't drink the frozen. I love the ones on the rocks because that's how they were invented to be made. But we, we sell. Uh, in the summertime, we have to crank up the machines. And the decision now is, do we put the skinny one? It's only a third of the calories and a third of the sugar. And people are really, people who come here, they come from California. And trust me, these people that come in from California, they eat like Californians. And I, I did a survey before doing the skinny grenade, and it was not just a, uh, a female thing. It was the males and females, I'll say. They were really excited. Every city I go to around the world has a Cajun or a New Orleans restaurant. Everybody's after us, so we don't want to give up our heritage. We started it. Let's, I want us to keep enjoying it. I would agree. And could you talk a little bit about, I know it's trademarked, but what's in a hand grenade okay. exactly? It is a federally trademarked drink. No one can sell them but us. We have five locations where you can get them. Three Tropical Isles, the Bayou Club, and Funky Pirate, as you said. And it's melon-flavored and strong. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> we have the liquid concentrate that you can buy. It's for home use only. And we do go after our trademark, and we have won our cases. Someone even tried to do grenade beer. And I found it at the local Rouse's in the French Quarter, and I went, no, you can't do that. We worked. We've had it for 27 years. We've had the hand grenade for 25 years, so we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of the hand grenade this year. But, you know, I told the lawyers, I said, they're riding on our coattail, and at first they didn't understand. And after these people started expanding to Mississippi and Alabama, I said, look what they're doing. So now we're going to have a hand grenade beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it looks like it's time to check the inbox. Our producer picks a question that's coming from a listener. Grant, what have you got for us? Okay, guys, it's time uh, I've chosen a question from S.B. Hunter, who asks, when Harris Casino came to town, they agreed to all sorts of conditions to protect Bourbon Street and French Quarter businesses. All those conditions have been rolled back over the years. Does Harris hurt or help Bourbon Street businesses? And would you like to see gaming allowed on Bourbon Street? That's a very tough one. And, and the, the fact of the matter is, um, <coughs> it has been, in my experience, it's been our natural disasters and, and national disasters that have been responsible for temporary setbacks in, in, on Bourbon Street. I mean, 9-11 uh, was a, a huge setback for America. Um, Hurricane Katrina, huge setback. Oil, huge setback. And, and we seem to recover and then go backwards. Now, how, how Harris has impacted us, we've seen fairly steady growth over the years. Um, Harris is not 
really seen as a, a big impact for us on Bourbon Street. Um, I don't know how Pam feels about it. There are people who go to Harrah's and then they'll, they'll go spend a little money there and then they'll come back. They're open 24 hours, so sometimes we'll get people who come back into the quarter in the middle of the night or they leave in the afternoon and then some lose their money. I'm not a gambler. I like to just spend my money. But obviously there's a need for it when you go into the casino 24 hours and you see those people. It's how some people want to spend their money. And somebody like me, I don't understand it, but it's okay. And it's uh, every once in a while you wonder if maybe they aren't trying to draw a little too much away from us. Sometimes I think they're trying to do things over in uh, the Fulton Square area to take away from us. Yeah, I think they're after our business. Everybody's after everybody's business. Business. That's business, yeah. So I want to ask, what's your hiring process, and is it hard to find good help? Yes, it is. Uh, there are a lot of people who move here. This is a melting pot from around the country. Uh, sometimes it's hard to do the, the checks. We try our best. Uh, and if there are problems with working in the French Quarter. You've got parking problems. Where do you park? Where do the tourists park? Where do the employees park? So that has been a problem. And then we have some awful, we have some wonderful employees. I'm, I'm a statistic. I came here. I worked for Corps of Engineers for nine and a half years. And I came here and I wanted to change. You know, a lot of people, they start out as lawyers or they start out as engineers, and that's not what they really wanted to do. Doctors, uh, you know, we have a lot of unusual people. Nurses, we have all, all uh, people just want to change. Maybe they only do it for two or three years, or maybe it becomes their career. But from, from our perspective, uh, finding good management people is always a challenge. But I think it's perhaps no more of a challenge in our business than, than in any business. I mean, integrity is very, is very big for us, so that we have to find people who have integrity because there's a lot of temptation in the business, and you want people who can manage it with a, a business eye or the business perspective. And then also on the, on the business side of everything, um, I know you're both involved, and in, in, um, you're the president of the Merchants association um is there a lot of activity there is there trying to promote bourbon street as a whole um, what's kind of the the purpose and the rallying point behind that group the 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 large issue that we've had over the last three and a half years has been um, uh, developing a new sound ordinance for the city there are many people who feel that that um, we have problems in in um, accommodating both residences and businesses and uh, dealing with sound that's generated by the businesses as how it affects residents. We created this, this six-block area on Bourbon Street <coughs> called the Vieux-Carré Entertainment District in 1978. It was actually the first um, Mayor Landrieu who created the, the district. And the idea at that time was to bring um, music and entertainment and, and to Bourbon Street and to reinforce it as an entertainment destination. Unfortunately, the, the entertainment uh, zone is only one building deep. And so at, on the one hand, you're, you're encouraging an entertainment uh, flavor and, and entertainment venues. But on the other hand, you've got residences that are, in some cases, literally backing up to courtyards. Um, and, and this creates conflict. And so uh, I think there's been an effort um, to revisit uh, the noise ordinance and to come up with something that, that is perhaps a little more balanced. Right now, the ordinance that we have in place suffers from um, lack of consistent enforcement. And, and, and consistent enforcement is, is the enemy of businesses who like to operate by, by uh, inconsistent enforcement, is the enemy of a business that wants to operate by the rules because rules have to be applied evenly. If you have one fellow who's turning up his sound on one side of the street 
the huge decibels and you've got a bar on the other side, then he has his sound system in his front room and he has to battle it by turning up the sound. And you get these competing sound um, businesses across the street from each other. And, and sometimes um, we end up with uh, too much noise pollution on the street. And, and that's an issue that's going to have to be dealt with. And, and that's what we've been working on for three years now. Well, these are some of the things... Robert said it all very well, much better than I could, but then you get down. People have moved. Many people move into the quarter now. It's like moving to the, by the airport. You know, I don't want to be quiet. I could go live anywhere I want to at this point. I don't want to go live in Nashville, Tennessee. I don't want to go live in Mandible. I love being able to walk out. I can walk to my corner grocery store until 1 o'clock in the morning and buy anything I need. And I can walk out and see people. So, I, you know... The noise doesn't bother me. It's, it's noise to them. It's music to me. Uh, why move to the French Quarter and then try to change it? People come here. I mean, there are many historic areas like this, and there are problems in historic areas. But you moved here, so why do you try to change it? You moved here for a reason because it's so unique and so different and so wonderful, and then you say, oh, it's too noisy. Well, people should, no matter where they're buying a house, they should always go to a home at night and see what it really is, not just the daytime. This is the part of the show where we take a look at a publicly traded company. So our stock tip today is Cyberonics. The ticker symbol is CYBX, and it's currently trading around $37.50. Uh, they're an interesting little medical device company out of Houston, but they have operations all over the globe. They actually have an additional office in Brussels. Uh, what this company does is it specializes in an epilepsy treatment called VNS, or vagus nerve stimulation. So as a seizure is onsetting, this device stimulates the vagus nerve to prevent the seizure. It's improved the lives of thousands of people with epilepsy, and the company's had such success with this that they're expanding the technology to help treatment-resistant depression. The uh, company's been profitable since April of 2008 and has been growing by leaps and bounds in all the right areas, revenues, earnings, etc. They have a large cash component to their earnings, which is what we like to see. So we really like the company and the stock. Again, it's Cyberonics and it's traded on the NASDAQ under the ticker symbol CYBX and it's currently trading around $37.50. Give it a look. So, Robert Waters, Pam Fortner, thank you so much for joining us on Out to Lunch today. It was great to meet you both and to learn what's going on in the heart of our hospitality industry. It seems to have been a very quick half hour, doesn't it? Oh, it was excellent. I enjoyed it. And just think, we all sat here and we drink water and ate this wonderful food. We can <laughs> save the... Yeah, it's not about drinking. It's about socializing. <laughs> so we had a great time today. And of course, you're not saying that there are hurricanes on the table. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, and there's not a dancer in the room with us either. <laughs> no hand grenades. Uh, our guests today on Out to Lunch have been Robert Waters, president of the Bourbon Street Merchants Association and owner of Rick's Cabaret on Bourbon Street, and Pam Fortner, owner of the Funky Pirate and the Four locations of the Tropical Isle. For more information about Tropical Isle, Rick's Cabaret, or the Bourbon Street Merchants Association, follow the links on our site, it's neworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is the venerable Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our web designer and digital guru is Cliff Brigden. Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can keep up with our continuing adventures in Crescent City Commerce by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook. And you can also follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on iTunes, and check out our other shows on itsneworleans.com, including Happy Hour, Mindset, and the brand new True to the Game. If you have a question or issue you'd like brought up on Out to Lunch, drop us a line. 
We're out to lunch at itsneworleans.com or tweet us at itsneworleans. Thank you to our friends at WWNO, New Orleans source for NPR News. And thank you for joining us for lunch today. Thanks to you to Peter Raschuti for letting us sit in for him today. Tim Williamson will guest host next week's Out to Lunch with a special show from the Idea Village's New Orleans Entrepreneur Week. Then Peter will be back here at Commander's Palace with a show about the summer sun and solar energy. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Richie Gray. And I'm Molly Omakin. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com.